0: The way i supposed to feel I just don't understand Christmas, I guess Merry Christmas And happy holidays From me uh, Will Harrison, host of Essence of Azeroth And I wanted to not only Bring you tidings of great joy But On this holiday season And on this day of Christmas I thought I would bring you something A little different Since I can't stuff all of your stockings, and no, dirty, but not going there. Um, Since I can't provide an actual gift, I can only do what I always do, and that is provide content and lore, because don't we love content? (laughs) And speaking of content, I realize it's been a little slow uh, this December, and I I do apologize for that, but we're going to come back to the new year. Uh, ready and willing to go. I actually have a couple of episodes already prepared for the first two weeks of January, with any luck. So keep an eye out for that. And today we're going to do something just a little different and a little more festive for the holiday season. One of the things I love about World of Warcraft is that it is a world that we live in. But part of the problem with that, too, is that we only see so many angles and aspects of Azeroth in the in-game storytelling. It's always big plot points and melodrama and end-of-the-world shenanigans, but as we've seen in Dragonflight this year, and with the additional lore surrounding the game that Blizzard has been working on, we're seeing more and more of the world itself, and how it works and how at the end of the day the characters are people in and of themselves example is the short story the vow eternal from earlier this year that told the tale of a wedding and it didn't involve a big fight it didn't involve old gods and titans as sad as that makes me because you know i love talking about the titans but instead it gave us Interactions and downtime and merriment, and I think that is a thing that I want this game and this universe to lean more into all the time. If you haven't cleared the Amirdrasil raid and its questline for killing Farak, one, go do that. The fight is extremely easy in LFR, um, so it is easily accomplishable. But by clearing it, you get this really great prologue to the expansion. And to the storyline where everybody just has a big party, like Emirdrasil has been summoned into the real world, Bella the new night elf capital has formed out in the Onaran plains and we just get to experience all these different characters interacting. Uh, you can talk to just about every single one of them. You get some insight into the past, into the future. It's a really great moment and a thing that I now wish every expansion had had a little bit of. Uh, all too often at the end of WoW expansions, I'm not going to lie, it's been a little disappointing because you, you kill the final boss and maybe you get a little bit of extra dialogue and then that's it. Uh, time to go. Enjoy killing Arthas for the five billion times that you're going to in between the end of Wrath of the Lich King and the beginning of Cataclysm. and. It does a disservice to what World of Warcraft should be and is about. So in that regard, I really love the media and the stories and the ways that they find an ability to tell stories that aren't just about the war in the World of Warcraft and today we're going to continue that trend as i just bought myself a christmas present a little bit ago and you may have seen me take a photo of it or you may have seen it yourself and it is the folk and fairy tales of azeroth hardcover book that came out in the last couple of years uh, with short stories from a number of our favorite writers and some other novelists that I'm well aware of in the WoW oeuvre, including Christy Golden, Madeline Rue, E.C. Myers, Alyssa Wong, and more. And today, On Essence of Azeroth, I've picked a couple of stories that stand out to me as not only having a Christmas kind of feel, but also standing out as telling some really interesting backstory to some characters that we don't always get to hear more of. And we'll talk about each one a little bit and set them up and and look into what their lore means and where it goes from there. And that is my present from me to all of you. And I'll also say that I hope 2023 is in the books for you and that you got everything from it that you wanted. And if you didn't, then I know how you feel. It's been a strange, up and down, sometimes difficult year. Uh, But the thing that I love about the new year is that is it is a chance to renew and to refresh and to come up with a new version of ourselves, if we so wish. This is Essence of Azeroth. And today's episode, as always, is brought to you by all of our subscribers on Patreon, of which I could not do this thing without. Um, they are my motivating factor when I truly get down, and I'm happy to say that I and really enjoy talking with each and one of them in our discord channel and in the guild and you can be a part of that too um uh, even if you just want to give one dollar uh you can head over to www.patreon.com forward slash essence of azeroth uh come join the discord Gem- come join us on as we've been doing mythic content i would like to start doing raiding once the um faded raids start here soon so If this show has brought you any kind of entertainment and you would like to see that continue, then consider giving. And even if you don't, I'm thankful for each and every one of you that's listened in the last year. This has been the best year of the show on record. Um, I actually make advertising money now. Who knew? And I couldn't do that without each and every person that decides to give this show and my weird warblings a chance. And I'm thankful for that every day. So thank you for your support. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Enjoy the rest of the show. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life little wing now streaming exclusively on paramount plus head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free rated pg-13 Our first tale is one that provides some background to a character that we've gotten to know both hardly anything, but also maybe too much here in the last few years. And the person I refer to is Uther the Lightbringer, once famed paladin and teacher of Arthas Minifil, uh struck down by that same student, resurrected in the Shadowlands and brought to a... At times confusing, but I think satisfying conclusion with his ascendancy as a Kyrian in Bastion in the Shadowlands. But before that, and before Arthas, he was merely a student and joined many other well-known names as burgeoning paladins long ago before the world was fully at war. And this story, which I am going to read here, is a fascinating tale at giving us a little bit of insight into the original Silver Hand Order, but also showcases some potentially interesting lore in regards to the overall world of Azeroth. Because while they don't name it, uh, there are only, only so many icy places that they could possibly be talking about. Uh, in reference to this story. So keep your ears open and see if your mind goes where mine also went as well. As we read the tale, The Paladin's Beast by Madeline Rue, illustrated by Konstantin Vavilov. And pardon my page turning. I literally have a book in front of me. The old nans and grands who sat beside golden beds in the palace of Lorderon liked this tale best for fussy princelings and princesses who refused to sleep until one more story was told. It is about forgetting and remembering, and that is what for sleep is for: to forget what we think is true and to remember what our heart knows is truest. The tale begins in Alonzo’s chapel, with an ancient archbishop and his most devoted paladins. The bishop called all his best to the courtyard before the chapel and admired how their armor gleamed in the sun as though the light itself was shining upon them. He told them, Listen well, champions. Our chapel stands tall and sturdy, but the light challenges us to go beyond our familiar grounds. It is time for you to prove your resolve as paladins. By great deeds, all noble warriors of the Light find their destiny. Journey far, be brave, and return when you have proof of your valor." These instructions were indeed unclear, but the paladins, being paladins, understood what was required of them. Sidan Dathrohan was there with his long, fair hair and a sword the length of two men. And Tyrellian stood beside him, golden in every way, a serious man with a serious face. He was wearing a cloak embroidered with suns. Tyrion Fordring, with his excellent beard and tall pauldrons, waited behind his brothers in arms with Gavinrad the Dyer, black of hair and beard, but with kind and thoughtful eyes. Other paladins, too, had mustered in the courtyard to see off their exemplars, but for this tale... We are concerned with Uther. Uther, a solid timber of a young man with a mane of fiery hair and eyes like a coming storm, stood ready for this challenge. Radiant with the purest love for the light, he listened to the bishop's word and nodded with their cadence. Send me to the ends of Azeroth, he thought. I will prove myself again and again as many times as I must. Forge me in the fires of doubt and fear. I will overcome. For to train in the light, to wield it, to become its weapon, was a worthy endeavor, though not an easy one. A soul must be tested a hundred times, a thousand times, before truly understanding its path. And now his path took him away from home, north through pastures and hills, through farmlands aglow with summer wheat. He rode with his fellow paladins to the edge of the kingdom, where they would scatter to the winds. Before they parted, Torellian raised his voice to assuage his brother's fears. Take heart and fear nothing. Trust in the light, and we will all meet again at Alonza's chapel, stronger and wiser. Uther was not discouraged and only grinned. While they were all men of wit and courage, there existed between them a brotherly rivalry, and such promises were expected. Sidan made his own boasts, and Gavinrad too, though Tyrion rode away without a word to any of them. Uther said only, Be safe and well, brothers. I look forward to the day we are united, as since greatness lies ahead. He did not add, and great danger. When the lands familiar to him fell away, with mountains at his back and forests ahead, Uther took his gallant black horse deeper into the wood. A summer storm came swiftly upon them, a clear sky turning to steel, a few fat drops of rain the only warning before the squall descended. The driving rain pelted tree and stone and Uther rode blindly, soaked and chilled to the bone. A crack of lightning split the sky wide open and his mount wickered and shied, then tossed, rearing with a scream, onto her hind legs and dumping her rider. Uther thrashed, falling not onto wet ground as he expected, but into a pool of water. He had not seen it there, the pool, yet it pulled him under, deeper and strange and scalding. The knight prayed and looked for the way to the surface, But up was down, and down up, and he could feel the water rushing into his lungs, choking him. This now was a death, boiled and drowned in his own heavy plate armor. His heart was pounding painfully, and he thought of his brothers and all whom he had failed. For all his devotion, he could not fulfill his life-given charge. His eyes rolled back, and he went still, but death never came. Instead, he noticed a soft light flickering above him, playing and bouncing along the surface of the water. Uther reached for his last shreds of strength and swam, dragging leaden arms and legs, kicking, pulling, bringing himself to last, to the sweet and life-giving air. When he emerged, choking and gasping, the storm had passed as suddenly as it had come on. A trio of maidens bathed in the pool, a shimmer of frost on the ground all around them, a fringe of grass visible near the stones where the heat of the water had banished the cold. His arrival startled all but one lady, who sat very still and watched while her companions dove for their blankets and cloaks to cover their nakedness. Uther hurled himself onto a rock, looking all around the pool for a horse that was not there. The woods themselves seemed changed, the trees low to the ground and wearing burdensome mantles of thick, white snow. Every detail felt both surreal and muted. It was not winter in Lordron, but here he could see the coiling white snakes of his breath upon the air. Where am I? he asked the maiden, who sat on a flat stone dangling her feet in the bubbling water. What land is this? Are you a wielder of magic, sir, that you can breathe in the water?" The young woman asked instead of answering his question. She was radiantly beautiful with a long sheet of spun gold hair that fell over her like a rich mantle. She wore a blazing silver necklace in the shape of a sword, with a gleaming sapphire set in the hilt. What land are you from? Uther furrowed his brow and climbed from the pool, the frosty winter air, attacking him as soon as he did. Huddling into his armor, he slicked the water from his face and hair. From Strathholm in Lorderon to the south. And I am no mage, lady, nor can I forego air in my lungs. I am but a man, a paladin, and a stalwart servant of the light. His gaze avoided the two frightened ladies whispering beneath their cloaks to each other, Please, do not fear me. I do not fear you, the golden-haired woman said, and stood. Uther averted his eyes at once, though her beauty and her ice-blue eyes enchanted him. You came through the pool, so you must be here for a reason. How came you by it? I fell, Uther answered, (laughs) still bewildered. Was it magic that had transported him, changing a forest pool into a gateway of unusual power? A storm tossed me from my horse. I was set, sent to range far to test myself in service of the light. And now I am here. The maiden laughed at him, then beckoned her companions forward. They brought the young woman a silver cloak elegantly embroidered with beaded thorns and fur along the collar. Quests are performed when warm and dry, she told him. Come, join us. The palace is not far. Uther thanked the lady for her hospitality, and as they traversed the path through the frozen woods, he gave his name. You may call me Uther. I am called Myatheris, sometimes Lady Myatheris or Reverend Daughter of King Gilvan Artenus. These are my attendants, though you have given them both a fright. They shall soon recover. The lady's cloak trailed along the crisp, frosted glass as she led them to a path winding through the wood. Above the treetops, castle towers, white as the snowy ground and slender as icicles, sat like a crown over the forest. "'Why are you not frightened?' Uther asked. "'Inevitability, I suppose,' Lady Myathris replied. Her voice was richly melodic and as entrapping as her fine hair and eyes. "'Though now you've come, and my heart is heavy.' "'Why is your heart heavy, lady?' "'I mean you know distress,' Uther replied sincerely. "'You will want to fight in the tournament.' "'All knights do. Our knights fight and die, yet every year they fight and die, but the tournament goes on. "'I hate it. But as Reverend Daughter, I must attend.' They walked through the wood and came to the palace. It had high walls and a deep moat, and before it he saw the tournament grounds ringed with dark blue pennants. He felt warmer at the sight of it. Now his purpose was clear. Uther would enter this tournament, and he would win it. The light must surely be testing his might and his heart. Do not be sad, Lady Myathras, Uther told her, and placed his hand on his armored chest I will win the tournament, but I will put no knights to death. Oh, no. She gasped at her arms as tears fell down her pink-tinged cheeks. This tournament is like nothing you have encountered before. You will fight a beast. The maiden parted her cloak and lifted out the silver necklace shaped like a sword, the sapphire on it brilliant as a star in a clear night sky. No one has ever won this prize because of it and no one ever will. A treasure fit for a quest. He would bring it to Alonza's chapel as proof of his resolve. I will win it, lady, he promised. She shook her head, forlorn. The light will not fail me. It has never failed me. Your fears are misplaced. Have you ever seen a paladin take to the field of battle? I have not, answered Lady Maathras, guiding him past the tournament field, across an ice-slick bridge, and beneath the walls of the palace. Then you do not know what I am capable of, what the Light is capable of. Lady Maathras let him take her arm, and she sighed. You will not win, she said. And that was that. Uther was received with every desirable courtesy by the court of King Gilvan artennis He was an old and hollow man, though he still had a healthy bloom on his cheeks. His gray hair fell in wisps from his head, crimped beneath a jagged silver crown. Servants filled the table with basted stag meat and roasted turnips, with sauces and soups, with tankards of honeyed mead, tiny barbs of lavender floating in the foam. The warm hall blazed with blue fires, white wolves prowled the edges of the feasting, and a bard strummed his song. He sang of King Aslan Artenus, who had come before and died of treachery. King of winter, just and bold, cruelly felled by one so cold. The other knights of the tournament were there too, though Uther knew none of their names or deeds and found that strange. "'Where am I?' he thought. "'What is this place?' But the food and the mead bolstered his spirits, as they tend to do, and the dry cloak provided by the king kept him from illness, and so he did not think over much of the peculiarities of the palace. King artemis and his daughter proved to be generous hosts, and the knights all around him gave escalating accounts of their incredible and somewhat unbelievable feats. A soldier in green and gold had slain a spider the size of a house— a lady knight with flaming red hair had soared atop a mad griffin before driving it into the sea. An old veteran in bronze and fair-haired, du- an old veteran in bronze and a fair-haired duelist had both conquered drakes, the size of which became a serious topic of debate. All the while, Uther gazed at Lady Meathras, though she hardly seemed to notice him. She looked unbearably sad and brightened only momentarily when the bard came to serenade her. Uther was given a tent to rest in. It was striped red and black and located near the tournament field. He removed his armor and prayed, kneeling on a pile of furs and listening to the wolves howl outside. Before he could climb into the bed and close his eyes, a figure appeared in the tent. Lady Mathris, he leaped to his feet. Oh, Paladin, she rushed to him and took his hands. Her fingers were like ice. Do not enter the tourney, do not fight. The beast cannot be killed, and to raise your sword against it is to court your doom. The light will protect me, it always has, he promised her. Let it bring you solace now. He called upon the light then to enfold them both in its warmth and protection, but the glow radiating from his chest frightened her, and Lady Mathras cried out and ran from him. Uther scolded himself for alarming such a delicate creature and fell into a fitful slumber. If he was careless in this test, he would bring only shame back to Alonza's chapel. Gusts of wind rocked the tents and slapped against the high-flying pennants at the tournament the next day. Squires in their knights' colors, gathered by the gate and the people of the strange and frozen land, filled the benches with their bodies and their whoops of excitement. Uther had no squire and no horse, but the wrinkled veteran in bronze assured him he would not need them. Short and broad with spikes bolted to his shield, the old man told him, Your mount would just be more meat for the beast. Uther searched the stands for Lady Meathras, but found her absent. The fighting must trouble the lady too much, he decided. She is frail and seems so full of fear. He listened to the roar of the crowd as the old knight hefted his shield and entered the grounds, preparing to fight. Uther heard the beast before it came, the wind doubling in strength, wings beating beneath the air before the dragon descended. He had never seen such a creature, breathing white ice fire, its scales pale blue and black, the ground crackling with frost whenever its claws' feet fell. The veteran cried, for the memory of our king, and rushed at the beast and died. The dragon slashed him open from navel to neck and idly tossed his body somewhere into the woods outside the moat. The crowd groaned, and the fearsome lady with red hair pushed past Uther to enter the fight and went quickly to her demise. A wave of fear and doubt crested powerfully enough to sweep him out to sea, but Uther stood anchored in his faith and determination. These were not unseasoned knights, yet the beast cut them all down like brittle autumn grass. Soon, there were none left except Uther, who stepped over the broken body of the boy in green and gold to confront the beast. Its face was long and slender, its teeth icicles that did not shatter when it crunched them down to bone. A gentle snow began to fall, though under the flat gray sky, it looked more like ash. Where are all your deeds now? What has your valor brought you, wondered Uther as he steadied his stance. The whispered warnings of Lady Mathris returned to him. The beast cannot be killed, and to raise your sword against it would court your doom. There's an included illustration of Uther kneeling with his massive silver hammer at his side, a halo of light glowing around him, and a massive chained silver dragon standing before him in the middle of an arena. Trust in the light, Uther told himself. Trust in wisdom. I am meant to be here. I am meant for this test. He was a stranger to that place, a stranger to the beast, and a stranger to all the customs of this land, but the lady had given him knowledge. Uther set down his great hammer and knelt, and he felt the deadly cold breath of the beast unfurl around him like a ghostly shroud. It seemed to smell him, and he felt his hair ruffled by the cleaving wind that hissed from its throat. He looked into the creature's eyes and saw only pain and panic. He looked at the great cracked shackles on its legs and saw the welts from many cutting chains. Perhaps it was not justice to let the thing live in such suffering. The fallen knights had chosen to fight, but what if this monster had been forced onto the field? I will not raise my weapon against you, he said, holding his hand to his chest, feeling the light swell within him and empathy without him. The beast reared, and for a moment he thought it prepared to strike him dead. But then it lay down beside him, lower than Uther's heart-pressed hand, and the people in the crowd went silent. The snow fell, the dragon surrendered, and Uther won the tournament. The dragon's once fierce eyes all at once looked exhausted and the wretched creature limped away, chains clattering in stone and snow. It felt like something less than victory, to see such suffering. But the test had been passed, and his hand had been stayed. Uther stood and raised his chin high. King Artenas hoisted an urn above his head and shouted, ''Behold our champion, Uther the Unbloodied!'' The bodies of the other knights were taken away and buried with their standards, and the feasting began again outside the tournament grounds. Music played, buoyant and sweet, all the blood and loss forgotten. Their hearts were fixed on the joyous present, but Uther's thoughts drifted back to the chained dragon. King Artemis promised that Uther would have his trophy soon, and praised his remarkable courage. "'If I may inquire, my king, what will become of the beast?' Uther asked. "'You will see,' the king said, with a snap of his jaw like a corpse stiffening. He turned on his heel and was gone into the crowd. Suddenly, a handmaiden drew Uther's attention, saying that Lady Myathris awaited him in her tent. It would be a joy to see her fear swept away, having proven to her the power and guidance of the light.' Uther found the white tent draped with flowers, though the blue blossoms were already fragrant with rot. Inside, he beheld Lady Meathras standing in a robe of grey and silver, the clasps intricately wrought with runes. She did not smile as he expected, but remained shrouded in sorrow. The bard from the feast played a melancholy tune, reclining on a pile of cushions behind the lady. Uther had not given the singer a second look at supper, but now he saw that the bard had darting, quixotic eyes, and a mop of hair that seemed sometimes blue and sometimes black. His face was gaunt, not ugly, but severe, the flesh clinging dearly to his bones. Garbed in hose and vest, he stared intently at Uther while Lady Meathris drifted forward and bowed her head. "'You have come for your prize,' she said, tears sparkling on her cheek and in sheets of golden hair. "'I have come for that, yes, dear lady. But why do you weep?' The lady shook her head and reached toward him, placing her hand on his armor over his heart. He noticed the bruises on her wrists, deep and new, and saw the blood crusted beneath her fingernails. "'The beast,' he thought. "'The beast that I felled with compassion.' "'Do not take this jewel from me, Paladin. "'It was a gift from my fated,' she said, looking to her left, "'where the bard strummed his instrument. "'Uther followed her gaze and understood. "'It is the only thing I cherish in this world, this jewel. "'Please, Paladin, do not insist.' "'Uther clasped his hands over hers. "'Keep her prize, lady. "'I will return with empty hands but a full heart. "'You have shown me the wisdom and compassion.' The restful beauty of an unraised weapon. But tell me, how came you to be the beast? Why are you made to fight? I disobeyed my father, the king, and his line is broken because of me. This is my punishment. Unjust, Uther thundered. You and your companion must join me. Leave behind this unkindness and this place and make a new life in Lordron. The lady shook her head, her hand still pressed to her heart that is forbidden paladin my chosen and i are bound to this place the magic the magic that guards the pool through which you came will not allow us to pass only you may wake and return freely and leave behind this felled creature a shiver ran through him her hand cold against his chest even through his armor a flash of light followed and the suggestion of magic or rune hovered above him and then it was gone After you pass through the waters, this land and all you did here will be little more than a memory. One day, I think it will mean something more to you, and you will see me and the beast and the castle again with perfect clarity. Uther turned to go. When, lady. Many years from now, on a broken field blazing like fire, you will think of me, and I hope the memory will bring you comfort. Her wavering smile vanished, and she clutched the pennant around her neck. Though I fear it will not. And so Uther left the tent and trod again the winding path, and he returned to the pool, finding it just as it had been the day before. He waded into the steaming water and felt the magical brand against his chest sizzle and burn. Just as the lady had promised, he passed through the gate and back to forests he recognized in a familiar sky. His horse nosed at the grass not far from the still pool and raised her head, drawn by the sudden splashing and the return of her rider. As the lady had prophesied, his memory of the tourney grew far off and blurred, like the sun through a heavy fall of snow. Uther rode south in sullen silence and found that he was the first of his paladin brethren to return. Kneeling before the bishop, he confessed that he had nothing to give. "'and nothing to show. "'He had only a vague stirring in his heart "'that peace and kindness had guided his hand, "'but what that hand had been guided to "'he could not say. "'He tried to recall his strange journey, "'certain that there would be something grand to tell "'and grief spared, "'but he faltered and stumbled over his words, helpless. "'My hammer is unbloodied, and my faith is unshaken,' "'he said, showing the bishop the clean weapon,' Yet in my heart, I know there was a good deed done. Do not concern yourself, the bishop told him kindly. I know of what metal you were made, Uther, and it appears that that, that we cannot know the test that you passed. The light shines in you stronger than it did before your journey. That much is clear to me. The proof is in your return, and in this pure hammer you show me now with such pride. The bishop frowned then, his brow furrowing. Yet, look here, my son. Your armor is cracked. Whatever you survived, perhaps it left you with a warning. Now stand and bathe and pray. Light grant you good rest. Uther moved his cloak aside and saw what the bishop said was true. He ran his fingers into the cut of his breastplate, finding that it was cold, as if struck by ice. This is usually where those old nans and grands would find their charges, sleeping deeply, and let the story drift to a close. Princelings and princesses would slip through their own transportive pools of dream and wake wiser. But such a story would not end so easily for Sir Uther. The years passed, and sometimes Uther dreamed of a winter kingdom, a silver sword, and spun gold hair. He would not remember more until he came to kneel on a bloodied field that blazing like fire, ash on the wind, and truth in his heart. There there he saw the beast once more. With waking epiphany, he recalled the lady and her warning, but it would be of no comfort to him as his armor cracked again. The End I want to thank all of you for joining me on this. Um, this somewhat long story and I hope the holidays and the new year bring you everything that you wish to aspire to. I'm looking forward to the next year of continuing this journey through world of of Warcraft with you and seeing what is going to be new in Azeroth as we approach a brand new expansion of content. I'm looking forward to it and I'm looking forward to continuing our journeys through Azeroth with each and one and and all of you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We'll see you in 2024. Have a good night.